Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. For exclusive podcasts and more, sign up at patreon.com slash partners in crime media. This week's Law & Marathon winner is Julie Naughton of Tewksbury, Massachusetts. Julie will win a marathon decal showing she watched 26.2 hours of her favorite crime show. To be next week's winner, sign up at lawandorderpodcast.com. I'm Kevin Flynn with Kimberly and Rebecca Lavoy, and these are their stories. You think you know who did it, but you don't know who did it, Law and Order. Welcome to These Are The Stories, the podcast about Network TV's most enduring crime franchise and the real-life cases that inspired their shows. I'm Kevin Flynn. Each podcast will break down an episode from either Criminal Intent, SVU, or Original Recipe. And today we're looking at Special Victims Unit Season 3, Episode 1, Repression. So Megan's memories of childhood rape are just figments of her therapist's imagination. And Evan Ramsey was accused on spectral evidence. And we all had a hand in it. Joining me to do just that is true crime author and the host of Crime Writers On and Slate's Mom and Dad Are Fighting podcasts, Rebecca Lavoy. Hello, Rebecca. Hey, Kevin. This is usually where I make some sort of snarky joke. Yeah. But instead, I just want to, our audience to know. So I'm going to ask you, how are you doing? I'm doing very well. And we're going to keep making this uh, podcast mm-hmm. for as long as I can. Well, you sound great. Thank you very much. That thyroid cancer will be done in no time. <laughs> <laughs> Rounding out our panel is our very special guest from the Date with Dateline podcast, our good friend Kimberly. Hello, Kimberly. I'm thrilled. I first thought I was a friend and now I'm a good friend. This is just, I'm a Twitter. This is too much for me. <laughs> but you're a good friend, but we still don't know what your last name is, so yeah. it's a little weird. No, it's not going to happen. Can I just ask you a quick question? Yeah. Are, are you a good enough friend that if I were to cut my hair in an aggressively short pixie cut and get <laughs> aggressive cat-pulled highlights like Olivia Benson has in season three of Law mm-hmm. & Order, mm-hmm. would you tell me it was time for a new look? Are you that kind of friend? I think I would. I think I would I would kind of nod and smile and say, huh, that's a look. <laughs> and then I would hope that you would get it. And if yeah. not, then we might have to do an intervention of some sort. Awesome. Thanks. Yeah. So, Kimberly, you recently came on our SVU State of the Unit address episode a couple of weeks ago. As we are rushing to air at this moment, breaking news, SVU has been renewed for season 21. Yay! Your reaction. I mean, it's kind of like, yay, but also like, I have to keep it on my DVR now. I have to continue watching. I mean, I can't stop. They knew I wouldn't stop. That's why they're doing it. It's not like we love it, but we have to keep watching. Well, you know, not everyone is coming back, right? (gasps) What? What? What are you saying? I'm telling you. That Philip Winchester will not be reprising his role as Peter Stone (laughs) 
in season oh 21. Oh my gosh. How will we go on? I know. I think this was one of the things that we identified as problematic. Look, he just he just tweeted. It says, he said, sadly for me, Peter Stone and his the facts don't care about your feelings attitude. And <laughs> Philip, there's no apostrophe in your feelings. Uh, your, your feelings attitude will not be returning. A huge tip of the hat to my amazing fans and not so big fans. <laughs> you all make me work harder. Thank you. See you on the next adventure. Oh, God. Did he just acknowledge in a tweet that I think he we did. and a lot of other people just fucking hate his character so yeah. much? And I, I want to say I don't think that he needs to work harder. I think mm. he was working hard it just wasn't working <laughs> yeah and i told kevin during the state of the unit that i felt like there was something wrong with me because i wasn't like into him like i thought i was supposed to have a crush on him because i think that's <laughs> how they did it like he's an ex-baseball player and all this stuff but i felt nothing mm. yeah but yeah. i think you felt nothing too rebecca you and every all of America, Thank Kimberly. You. I feel so much <laughs> yeah. better now. I'm looking at the responses to his tweet. Oh no! People replying. Oh no! And you know, no, I'm so sad. Gutted to hear this. Oh, really? God. Oh man, I liked how Snow was coming together with the group. Really? And then at least we got to meet Stone and got to start to accept his character. <laughs> <laughs> and you saying that you're leaving advance is a nice way to say goodbye. Um, accept his character. Not not enjoy. Not enjoy or like. <laughs> no, got to start. Like start to accept. Yeah, his we're not character. accepting. We're pre-accepting. <laughs> All right, now let's look at the first half of this episode. It's SVU Season 3, Episode 1, Repression. Just a note, we're going to be talking about fictional detectives investigating fictional sex crimes against fictional people. If you still find that especially heinous, you may enjoy another one of our episodes. Well, we begin with a young woman entering the squad claiming she was raped, and Benson looks ladder like it's her first goddamn day on the job. <laughs> <laughs> Megan Ramsey says her father raped her as a kid. Are there any other kids? Yeah, two, Jody 15, and Lily 7. Lily is the one that Megan says he's molested. So basically, we're working two cases here. A rape just this side of the statute of limitations and the possible molestation of a seven-year-old. No matter what Megan's therapist says, waspy Rebecca Ramsey doesn't think her husband Evan would ever touch their children. With seven-year-old Lily insisting daddy doesn't touch her, the middle sister, Jody says she's seen dad giving Lily baths and changing the sheets because middle sisters are such a pain in the ass. <laughs> a search of Lily's room turns up child porn under the mattress and dad's underwear beside the bed. Evan's arrested, but they can't get a statement out of Lily. It seems the pictures were printed from Evan's computer the day he was in Baltimore, and the files were originally downloaded to a library computer at Megan's college. When it's clear Megan planted the evidence to set up her father, they drop the charges against Evan. And in the time it takes the SVU detectives to get a beer and bitch about the case, <laughs> Evan turns up dead. Okay, well, so here's the vibe I get from Mom. We are too rich to molest anybody. <laughs> it isn't the first time she's made up little stories to get attention. Has she ever made up anything like this? Nothing is outlandish, but she has stretched the bounds of reality to get what she wanted. God knows what she's been telling that therapist. <laughs> Pretty much, maybe she's still cashing all those checks from her divorce from Steven Spielberg, Oh, eh? now, don't jump ahead here. 
You know how this format works. Just because just because we broke format at the beginning. Okay, so let's just talk about this character then, shall yeah. we? Can we just talk about her beautiful watery silk blouse situation that she displays throughout this episode? It's funny that you describe her as waspy because I think Amy Irving might be Jewish yeah. in real life or of Jewish descent. I think she's one of my tribe. Yeah. <laughs> well, yet she definitely works hard to play Waspy mm-hmm. in this episode, even going blonde, mm-hmm. even looking icy and like having that conversation with her super icy dad, who is definitely like, we're too rich to molest anybody, <laughs> but that no good husband of yours, he probably did it. He's, he's new money molested. Thanks, dad. <laughs> now, I don't know why Lily doesn't like going to the police station because she gets to color and play with puzzles a lot in this episode. <laughs> mm-hmm. She's always doing a maze. How can she concentrate on what they're asking her? Those mazes are pretty complicated when you're using a purple crayon when you're at a restaurant and it's on the menu yes you can't exactly. even have a you can't even have a normal conversation you're too focused uh, one of the things that they do to move the investigation along is they go to uh, social services yep oh my gosh this is my favorite scene so what is it that we find out from the social services worker first off I had to go to the basement to dig up this file. How long's it been there? Seven years when Megan Ramsey was 11. Who reported it? A resident in the emergency room at Mercy General. Her mother brought her in for vaginal bleeding after a bicycle accident. Megan told him she'd been having trouble urinating. Okay, she said that with such attitude, like, <laughs> F you, Munch. I had to go all the way down to the basement. This actress was on fire. I really believe she was in a low-level government job. I want a spinoff. And then when she handed him the file back, she did it with this haughty little wave. Like, I'm done with you now. Why didn't she just give him the file when she walked in with it? She had to hold on to it. Looked like she was looking through it again. She knew everything about the file. No pauses. Didn't have to read it. For a file that was buried in the basement, she had that memorized in the elevator pretty quick. But also... This is one of the many, 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 spoiler alert, red herring scenes in this episode, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, there is a social services file yeah. on this family? Uh-huh. Really? Yeah. Like, <laughs> really? It, there's a lot of things where I, at the end, if I watch it the second time, I go, wait, but all of those yeah. things. Right. Is but that what about normal? The social service? What about the, what about the vaginal irritation yes. from all those bubble baths? What about the bathing with the door closed? And what the... about all that stuff? That's yeah. how I bathe. <laughs> with the door closed. <laughs> all those little weird things. <laughs> okay, so they, they want to go to the house to investigate an incest charge. I want to know, why are there so many cops searching the dining room? <laughs> oh my God. Do you know the cops like all over the place? Like what are what fluids are they gonna find in the hutch? <laughs> okay, now, I know we started off this episode with a warning. Yes. And essentially a disclaimer. Because that, we're like making jokes about children being molested on a fictional show. Fake children. Yes. Being fake molested. Can yes. I just uh, but, say Yes. I really appreciate you guys bringing me on for my third appearance, my second involving father-daughter incest. So that's fun. <laughs> yeah. Although it was it was way more classic the reveal in that episode. That's true. You've been sleeping with your own daughter. Guts throwing up all over the place. And then the episode should have started, and yet it ended. Yeah. That should have been the two-parter. <laughs> all right, so again, I'm just going to say, 
This is we're talking about Law and Order SVU, right? And we're just saying if it, I'm just going to throw something out there, and if you continue to listen and you're going to be triggered or something, you're going to be mad. Yeah. Stop listening right now because I'm not responding to your fucking tweet. <laughs> okay. 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 You ready? I have a feeling I'm waiting for it. This is my question. Do pedophiles really keep their kitty porn right where the child is? <laughs> it does kind of seem a little bit extra, doesn't it? It's a little extra. I mean, what are you actually doing with the pornography showing naked children when you could perhaps have a naked child also there at the same time? Yeah. That's a great it point. It seems yeah. like a little bit like a duplication of... The housekeeper tucks in those sheets. You know? <laughs> That's yeah, true. yeah. Yeah, you would think he would keep it by his desk when he doesn't have the availability of the daughter. <laughs> you would That's think right, that. You right. would. I don't keep my Playboys under my wife's side of the mattress. <laughs> right? That's my plan B. <laughs> Is this going to segue into an ad for Playboy? Oh, goodness gracious. No, no. no, no. Also, I mean, there is also the other detail where they find like a a giant pair of granny panty men's underwear in the daughter's room. And you're like, okay, ostensibly, if you're molesting your daughter and you're keeping your kitty porn stash under her bed. Like, how are you leaving the room without your underwear? Yeah. You're just like walking around like Winnie the Pooh all the time in your house? Winnie the Pooh in it afterwards. Uh, that Again, was just a little too suspicious. Trigger warning. Sorry, trigger warning. guys. Sorry. Retroactive. We're just re- reacting to what was on network television That's right. 16 years ago. <laughs> oh, okay, so this you've already kind of touched on who this is. So let's bring in Kermit the Frog to do the introduction. It's our very special guest star, Miss Amy Irving. Yes. Yay! She is playing Rebecca Ramsey, the mom, Mm -hmm. and we know her as Sue in Carrie, Isabel in uh, Crossing Delancey. Those what? And she was also Mrs. Steven Spielberg. How do I make sense of this? My husband is dead, killed by my own child's hand. And my willingness to believe he was a monster. Yeah, she was also in a movie called uh, The Competition with Richard Gere, where they both played like type A pianists. Uh huh. But literally, I don't know her from anything else. Really? <laughs> I'm embarrassed to say I did not know her from any of those. <laughs> really? <laughs> no. But when you get to the next one, I know I know the next one. Would you be surprised to learn that Amy Irving is an Oscar nominee? Oh. For her role as the star-crossed wannabe lover in Yentl. Mm. What? Yes. Yeah. Papa, can you hear me? I forgot me? she was in that movie totally, but yeah. yeah. Do you want to build a snowman? It makes it even more ironic that you called her Waspy at the beginning yeah, exactly. of this episode. I guess so, maybe. <laughs> I'm thinking like well-heeled, right? What is the right term then for that? Upper East Side. Upper East Side, snooty. <laughs> she had that weird fake British accent, almost like just too poised. Like Frasier, you know? That's true. Now, we do also have a Hey, It's That Girl. Mm. Hey, it's that girl. Can you recognize the actress who is playing Dr. Wharton? What? Oh. Oh, yeah. The the, the psychiatrist? Yes. She built a wall between herself and her father, but after months of hard work, the floodgates finally opened and the truth came out. Uh, Isn't isn't that um, Shirley Knight? Shirley Knight. Yes. And who is Shirley Knight? Uh, she's, hey, it's that girl. I, I literally know her from being, hey, it's that girl. 
Uh, Shirley Knight has uh, two Best Supporting Actress nominations. For Oscars? For Oscars. Uh, she was nominated for The Top of the Dark Stairs in 1960 hmm. and The Sweet Bird of Youth in 1962. Wow. She finally won a major award, a Golden Globe and an Emmy Award 35 years later in the HBO movie Indictment, the McMartin Trial. Huh. Now, that deals with the real-life um, McMartin preschool sex abuse hysteria oh, case. Yeah, yeah, there were all yeah. these weird allegations that children were having sex with animals and in secret tunnels. Oh, so she's and, good at this stuff. Right, mm-hmm. yeah. It's just, <laughs> this is her wheelhouse. <laughs> just, yeah. Hey, we also get to see somebody before they were famous. Before she was famous. Who is playing the daughter Lily Ramsey? Finally, I know one. Sarah Highland. Sarah Highland, and we know her from where? Modern Family. Why is everybody mad at my daddy? What makes you think that we're mad? Megan said he was doing bad things. What kind of bad things? I don't know. She looks exactly the same. It looks exactly the same. I just keep thinking about the time we had the episode with Ty Burrell and Laura Bricker, our guest, remembered him from some stupid cartoon that he was in. <laughs> was it like uh, Animaniacs? Or... I don't know. But can we just talk yeah. about the fact that Sarah Highland, she literally looks exactly the same. She doesn't even look even a little bit different. Like no. her face is the same. Yeah. She's a baby and her eyes take up half of her face, but she is not <laughs> aged at all. Yeah. yeah. And as an adult, her eyes also take yes. up half of her face. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is her first of four Law & Order Universe appearances. Really? We know her from also from being Howard Stern's daughter in Private Parts. That's right. Oh. And she was also, she, her, her star turn as Teresa on Randy Cunningham, Ninth Grade Ninja. <laughs> oh, one of my favorites. Well, I did notice that at the precinct, the extras were being very extra. There's a little person talking to what appears to be a prostitute and I really <laughs> wanted to know more of their story. What? I missed that. Uh-huh. It, well, it was like my fourth viewing that I caught it. What? Was it just somebody sitting in a chair or was it a real little person? A real little person walks... With a badge? No. It's reg- oh. Civilian clothes. Walks by and he's talking to what looks like a cop and a very tall prostitute. I don't want to judge. Maybe she's not a prostitute. She just likes really low-cut tops. But Maybe she works in Vice. Yeah, there you go. She's undercover. They're all undercover. Yeah. I, I really do miss, I mean, when I see these older episodes of SVU, that, like, the squad room really, like, looks like they're trying harder to make it look like an actual squad room. And, like, it's actually filmed on locations in people's apartments. And, like, the current SVU, the modern-day SVU is so set-heavy, you know, with, mm-hmm. like, special lighting and everything's so moody and whatever. It's so dark in the squad that it looks like night all the time yes. and like I really do miss this aesthetic where they're at least there's playing. no er- ergonomic chairs yeah, they're like trying to be gritty like yeah. they're at least trying a little bit to be gritty with the little person and the vice cop <laughs> yes. slash prostitute and all that where is their spinoff can we this was before they did like you know online <laughs> mini episodes <laughs> like like on Walking Dead they'll have like take an extra and then build a whole web series around them I wanted that for this little person and the prostitute it's that would be a great buddy cop movie okay is it still possible to download child pornography in the library at Columbia University 
Yeah. At Hudson. We are Hudson, where the bad guys go to school. <laughs> At Hudson, yeah. I mean, libraries are, fa- actually, this is the thing that libraries are known for, is libraries actually take their internet freedom very seriously. It's probably one of the only places you actually can download child pornography. Okay. And where they won't turn you in, because like they take that shit seriously. Libraries are now like... They have like tour and like torrent sites set up at libraries now so that people can go in there and have like real internet privacy. That's a thing. Wow. Good to know. If you're willing to, by the way, sit at a public station in the middle of a whole area and have people walk behind you while you're doing that. <laughs> your child porn. Because honestly, you got to pick the right child porn. You know what, what? I'm saying? No, I'm, I'm saying Please like if you're going to set that, that up. Kevin. Well, to, in order to set up dad, I mean, you yes. don't want to have a bunch of boy child porn. That's right. right. You got to have girl child porn. Right, right, right. And that means you got to go through a couple of files. That's right. <laughs> In the middle of the quad. Right. At Columbia University. At, Columbia. at an actual Ivy League school. I think that's probably when they said, we need to transition you guys to start referring <laughs> to us as Hudson University. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Would this whole thing have been different if she went to Hudson University? <laughs> you can still film here, though. You can, you can still, still film, film here. here. Like, like we want we want the tax write-off or whatever it is. You still, it's, good, it's good for our campus to have our buildings in the background, but just please don't call us Columbia. <laughs> Okay, so afterwards, let's all go out to a bar together and sulk about apparently the only one case that all of us are working on. (laughs) She's trying to protect her sister. Yeah, well, the road to hell's paved with good intentions. Doesn't mean she wasn't raped. Now we'll never prove it. And if she's telling the truth, that means that he got away with it all over again. Not quite. That was the captain. Evan Ramsey was murdered. (laughs) We don't get to see this too much. And like, oh, we're so disappointed how things turned out. Let's all go get a beer together, guys. Well, that was before Liv always had to go because Noah was somewhere. I got to go <laughs> yeah. get Noah. I got to go get Noah. She was free back then. That's yeah. right. And she was drinking a brewski. <laughs> yeah. She's not like the you know red wine. Not her giant tumbler yeah. of wine that she usually enjoys, like I'm enjoying perhaps <laughs> right now. I mean, who do you think picked that bar of the group? You think Munch said, <laughs> I know a nice place with a walnut bar with the gold, with the brass rail at the bottom we can all put our feet up on? Or do you think maybe it was Finn who said, I know this baller place? Honestly, <laughs> I would follow either of them to the ends of the earth. So if they said, I know a great bar, I would be there. Yeah, but 100% that is not the bar Finn would pick. No. <laughs> <laughs> Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. Now let's take a look at the second half of this episode. Stabler and Benson go to Evan's office where he was shot once in the chest. A co-worker says a short time before the shooting, he got into a dust-up with his father-in-law, Charles Sutherland. But this afternoon, he stormed into Evan's office and went into a tirade. About what? He called Evan a rapist, told him he wasn't going to get away with it no matter what the court said. How did Evan react? He tried to reason with him. The old man wouldn't listen. They'd have come to blows if security hadn't escorted the old guy out. They find Sutherland's 32 pistol in the sewer by the office building, but the fingerprints don't match his. 
Rebecca and all of her daughters were home the night of the shooting, but calls from something called a car phone were made between <laughs> Megan and her dad. The mouthy housekeeper says that <laughs> Megan and Jody sneaked out that night and returned crying. Confronted, Megan says, well, she blacks out sometimes, so who knows? <laughs> her therapist, Dr. Wharton, says to help the repressed memories, she gives patients like Megan sodium amytal. Totally normal. This, yeah. <laughs> this gives Wong the opportunity to laugh at someone else's goofy shit for a change. <laughs> Is it possible the heavy sedative created a false memory of the molestation? <gasps> There's only one way to know for sure. They learned Megan's hymen is intact. Oh, God. Busted. Couldn't they have learned that earlier before the trial? <laughs> they should have. Also, yeah. does that actually mean anything? <laughs> That's true. I don't know. I don't know. We don't know. When exactly. they try to indict Megan for the shooting, Jody says that she was the one who grabbed mm. the gun. Maybe you should have asked her that before granting her immunity. Oh. But somebody's got to pay for this comedy of errors, so they arrest Dr. Wharton for reckless endangerment. Okay, so they ask Evan's co-worker if there was anyone else who could do this, and he says, I can't think of anyone who would do this unless... <laughs> unless... I don't want to do something like this. Unless... Unless what? Well, mm, well, the father-in-law, he just double-crossed and ruined in business, and whose granddaughters he had just been accused of raping came out yelling at him, and security had to take him out, but that was like an hour ago. <laughs> I don't really think that can help. It's just a coincidence. One of my favorite things about this scene is they are carting out Evan's body, mm-hmm. and Olivia's talking to that dude, and, and she just sort of like takes his arm, and she's like, hey, wait, we got to move aside, yeah. because this extra needs to like- Clear the hallways. Body's coming through. Body's coming through. It's another great example of square TV syndrome, right? Where there isn't enough room in the shot for someone to push the body through a scene while we're talking. You can see it as an actor. She's like, oh, no, take this mark over here, sir. <laughs> <laughs> it was so funny. And the guy kind of has to react to it. He's like trying to talk to them. And then he has to go, my friend just was wheeled by in a, okay, Pretend you're nauseous and you're still talking. <laughs> Couldn't have had this conversation anywhere else in the business. Yeah. But for real, it's like just an hour ago. Yeah, there were it was arguments. So first, say that first. You gotta if you gotta remove a well-heeled old man. Yeah. from the from he the office. He wasn't old. He was a middle-aged man. <laughs> but seriously, well, like, oh, you mean the dad? The dad, the, body. No, the, oh, dad. the dad, right? They just like I they think we just say old for the dad. Think of who it, who could possibly want to kill him, right? Right after a guy, crazy guy, just got pulled out of the office. Who he knows? Who he knows? <laughs> and they always do the like, well, and then Elliot or Olivia say, "Go on." Tell us. No, I'm sure it's not. What is it? And then they tell everything. Like, would they have told it if they hadn't gotten that prompt? I don't know. I mean, it's like, how do you not know that? I mean, I know that Amanda, like one time said something naughty to Christine at work. And if she winds up dead, I was like, that bitch did it six months ago. (laughs) I know who you got to go get. Yeah. But like an hour later, oh, the old man who like wanted to kill the guy. All of a sudden he's dead. Yeah. And also when they find the 32 Derringer, Derringer is a very small. The world's tiniest gun. Yeah, it was was like the gun used to kill uh, Abraham Lincoln. Has a scrimshaw handle. Scrimshaw handle. And Cragen says, well, they found a 32 Derringer in the sewer in front of the office. Maybe it's your weapon. Maybe. <laughs> like, what? 
You guys are so slow on the uptake this episode. Usually you're rushing to conclusions. Maybe this tiny antique gun made with whale teeth handle that's specially carved. Maybe this is your gun that's missing from the man's collection, which he exactly described as being that gun. Yeah. Maybe. Dumped in the sewer right in front of the crime scene with all the other scrimshaw characters. <laughs> By the way, the Derringer is the cutest little gun. It's adorable. <laughs> it is. Okay, so they want to question, like, Mr. Sutherland. By right. the way, I don't know if he's related to Serena Sutherland. Yeah, probably not. Probably not, because he's not a lesbian. Um, <laughs> usually there's a lot of walking and talking. Okay, we've talked about this a million times in this podcast, how there are a million scenes in Law & Order where a person will not stop what they're doing, yes. even though the cops are there to talk to them. This might be the best one of those I have ever seen. This old man is looking at butterflies through a giant magnifying glass. Onithoptera priamus Poseidon. Cairns birdwing. It's quite a rare prize. You don't seem too upset about your son-in-law's untimely death. If you're asking me if I'm glad he's dead, the answer is yes. If you're asking me if I killed him, the answer is no. He's like the creepiest, like evil genius in a sci-fi movie. That is your hobby that you're <laughs> you're like pinning butterflies and putting them under glass. Yes. He's the dude from Silence of the Lambs at the Smithsonian yes. that Clary Starling goes to talk to yes. after they find that like larvae in that woman's mouth yeah. or whatever. Yes. And he's and he and like I understand when they don't talk to somebody who like works at the gap who's like folding a sweater <laughs> because you know that person's making like twelve bucks an hour and I gotta keep folding those damn sweaters. Yeah. This guy was literally looking at a dead butterfly through a magnifying glass, and he could not stop, even though the murder police are at his house. But Kimberly, don't you think it would be weirder, though, if uh, he's just sitting there surrounded by all these butterflies and not saying anything about (laughs) them? That's true. Well, then Elliot could go, nice decorations you got there, or something like that. I don't know if Amy Irving is actually waspy, I guess. She's not. She's not. Okay, well, whatever she I'm going to say she's snotty. How's that? Snotty. She's upper, upper crusty, right? Say she's Upper East Side. All right, this is the most Upper crusty, Upper West Side thing anybody's ever fucking said. Now, if you excuse me, my children need me. Marina will see you out. Marina will see you out. (laughs) The fuck? By the way, all of her dialogue is super stilted. Yes. Just to indicate that she's well-heeled. It's not just like her diction. It's like the syntax that she uses. How awful it must have been for my husband to know that the people he loved most had turned on him. We all share that burden, Mrs. Ramsey. Jody will not be prosecuted. Not by the courts, only by her own conscience. What in the, they had the middle daughter, or maybe that's just how the middle daughter talks. The Jan Brady kind of talked like she was almost British too. Just way too poised, never using contractions. Just very (laughs) proper. They were scared by contractions as children. And she had the weirdest, like, private school uniform I've ever seen. Yes. It literally looked like she was in the Air Force or something. It had that little, like, weird the snap bow tie. The little bow tie, yes. Yeah. The epaulets, yeah. Super weird. Super weird. By the way, speaking of, like, talking like an asshole, Wong <laughs> is like, oh. Well, technically it's called the false memory syndrome, but... I call it the power of suggestion run amok. <laughs> well, look, Wong, you got a lot of fucking nerve throwing shade at someone else's crackpot diagnosis. That's right, because Wong is famous for this. 
you know what I read in an article last year <laughs> that this is a psychiatric thing that happens. That's what's going on here. Next thing you know, like that's definitely what's going on here. He's the king of medical speculation. Didn't he say in that scene while he's eating the green apple or he pulls the green, he says, I heard a story about blah, blah, blah. Like that's where he's picking up all his information on the streets yeah. at the psychiatrist <laughs> conventions or something. Yeah. I also do like he had this stupid line when he's uh, talking with Lily and, you know, they're, they're saying like they need to find out some information. He's like, Megan's case can't stand on its own. I'll do the best I can, but it's a slow dance. And I have to follow her lead. <laughs> Just another stupid line. Of course, this is really like... He's like putting his coat on and leaving. Yes. He's like, where are you going? Yeah. Follow her lead. Stay in the fucking room. Where are you going? Yeah. This is only our third episode with Wong. This is his third oh, appearance. Oh, really? Yeah. He continues to fascinate me as an evolving character. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, he was definitely still no. I, I know uh, B.D. Wong, the actor who plays George Wong, as a stage actor. Believe it or not, I, who know, don't know anything about like stage actors and whatever, and I'm always surprised when I find out someone's uh-huh. a stage actor, I saw him in the Broadway production of M. Butterfly with John Lithgow when I was in high school. Hey, that's <laughs> great. But I actually knew he was a stage actor, and in these early episodes, he's 100% still acting like he's on stage, but yes. he's on TV, and it's super like, awkward. He also didn't use a contraction where I thought he should have, and I thought, <laughs> huh, is he a robot? What's it's happening? just one of the many details got amok in this episode. Like the daughter, the rich people's daughter, Megan, where does she go to school? Columbia, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where do her parents live? Also in Manhattan, right? Yeah. And yet she's making calls from her car phone? Like, no. She does not have a car. She doesn't have a car phone. Yeah. What are you talking about, writers of SVU? There's no parking on campus. <laughs> Did you think it was weird that she went to the house to do laundry when yes. she thinks her dad raped her and she's yes. not on speaking terms with her mom, but she goes to the house to do laundry? 100% yes. And you can download child pornography in the library, but there's not a quarter machine that (laughs) you can do your laundry in on campus. Yes, you have access to your dad's computer because you're at the house doing laundry. (laughs) Because I like to hang out with him because he's not raping me anymore. All right, everyone is gathered at the end, and they all admit that they each played a role in Evan's death in some way. So it's all of our fault, so it's no one's fault. But hear me out, guys. What if instead of any of us going to jail, we arrest the one person who never even met the guy? (laughs) You'll also find a warrant for your arrest. On what charge? Reckless endangerment and death of Evan Ramsey. That's outrageous. Megan is the very sick woman. That you made even sicker with your sodium amytol sessions. Oh, you're hardly qualified to pass judgment. Hey, you remember you gave the pills to somebody else who caused the sister to shoot the guy? You know? It's all very murder. Make that stick. It's all very murder on the Orient Express, right? They all killed them. Yes. I liked that the wife told the husband he had to be out by the end of the week. I thought that was really generous because he's raping two out of three of your daughters. But you're going to give him until the end of the week to pack his stuff up. If any time was a cause for throwing stuff on the stoop, this is that time. Listen, I want to give you plenty of time to gather up all of your printed out kitty porn papers. Staple them together. I know they're important to you. Put them in packing boxes. Mm Mm-hmm. 
I mean, his underwear is everywhere already. <laughs> he has to find it. <laughs> I did also think that Olivia was super sassy in this episode, and I had not seen one of these old episodes in a long time, and she's not doing the whisper acting that she does now, where you have to put on the subtitles because you can't hear her. <laughs> but she was being really like sarcastic kind of with Miguel, the, the forensic guy, when he said yes. that it wasn't the prince. The water in the gutter degraded the surface of the gun, making it impossible to lift any. However, we got a couple of clean ones from the shell casings. But unfortunately, Miguel, they don't match Sutherland's prints. Like, it's not his fault that the prints don't match. That's yeah. right. It's also like Miguel, the forensic guy, apparently has all of the forensic yes. jobs at the New York City Police yes. Department. He does fingerprints and ballistics. Yep. I don't think that's how that works in New York City. Mm-hmm. Oh, sure. He's a computer. <laughs> I did like her line at the end where she said to the psychiatrist, All around, I'd say this is a day that you'll never forget. <laughs> <laughs> Won't need any sodium anatol to remember that. <laughs> that's it's right. Super sassy. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. Today's podcast is sponsored by June's Journey. June's Journey is a hidden object mystery game which transports you into a bygone age of mystery, danger, and romance set in the glamorous 1920s. You'll play as June Parker as she embarks on a quest to solve her sister's murder. But that's not all. You'll let your imagination run wild as you get to customize your own luxurious estate island with expensive gardens and beautiful buildings. So, can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. All right, let's take a look at the real-life story that inspired this episode. It's time for Ripped from the Headlines. You think you know who did it. You think you know who did it. But you don't know who did it. You don't know who did it. Ripped from the Headlines. Inspiration for this episode comes from the murder-for-hire case of Cheryl Pearson. In 1986, the Long Island teenager claims to have been repeatedly molested by her father, James Pearson. Though she suffered in silence, she decided to take action when her father turned his attention to her eight-year-old sister. In homeroom, her classmate, Sean Piker, told her of a news story about a hitman murder. That's when she asked Sean to kill her father for her. Cheryl and her boyfriend, Robert Cuccio, scraped together $1,000 to pay Sean for the hit. In February 1986, the teenager shot Pearson with a rifle as he walked out of his front door. The three were soon arrested. Sean Piker was sentenced to 12 years. Today, he runs a non-profit which helps paroled inmates complete their education. Cheryl Pearson served six months in jail. Her boyfriend, Robert, received probation. The couple later married and in 2016 wrote a book about their experience titled Incest, Murder and a Miracle. All right, I'll admit that this rip from the headline story does not have a lot in common with this episode. I remember the real story, though. You know how I remember it? This story? Yes, I remember it really well. Why? Well, A, I'm from Long Island, so I yeah. just remember stuff from Long Island, and, yeah. keep, and I also like keep in touch with Long Island crimes. Cheryl Pearson, I don't know if you've seen a photo of her from the time the crime was committed, Yeah, is the most 
Long Island, <laughs> 90s, oh. 80s hair looking human being that ever walked on the face of the earth. And I remember like even when- more than jo- Even more uh, than Amy Fisher. Amy Fisher. Oh, even gosh. more. She was like super Amy Fisher. She was so exactly what you would imagine if you had in your head. A 1980s Long Island girl, that was her. I remember this whole thing very clearly, but it doesn't sound at all like the episode. But doesn't this sound more like a book that you and I wrote? Yeah, it does, actually. It sounds like our book, Our Our Little Little Secret. Secret. Literally, you're going to have to get that on Amazon. I'm doing it right now. I'm on it right now. (laughs) So Cheryl, uh, she was sentenced to six months. She got out of jail after 102 days. Her brother and her boyfriend picked her up from prison in a white limousine with rock and roll music blaring. Oh, of course they Like did. it oh was the prom. Oh, God. Yeah, that's Long Island, Sounds right? Yeah, right. that's pretty Long Island. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, she really was molested? Yes. So this twist was all SVU? It's all, yes. I mean, there's. I think that she was afraid for her younger sister. That's, I think, probably, and the father's dead. I think that's probably where it starts and ends on this one. Gotcha. Um, I think maybe the elite squad of the Law and Order wiki community may have let me down on this. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, so the assassination of a dirtbag father in 1986, a thousand bucks, but they were only able to get 400. <laughs> this is yeah. This is how the boyfriend got involved. They had to scrape together the money to give Pika and. When they couldn't get the full thousand, he started asking for it. And he also wanted a motorcycle. And then it wasn't long before a student reported that uh, she had been asking other students for uh, looking for a hitman. Right. Which is typical, yeah. I guess, in Long Island schools or something. <laughs> and what's the book called again? The Mur- book is called Incest, Murder and a Miracle. Do you want to know what the miracle is? Oh, no. Don't tell me. <laughs> no. no, Rob Cuccio. The boyfriend, now husband, is alive after suffering a heart attack and being prematurely pronounced dead. Oh, goodness. Cheryl, (laughs) she said she found the courage to speak up, begged the the medics to keep working on him, and his pulse returned. That's the miracle. She found the courage to speak up. She found the courage to speak. Um, excuse me. (laughs) (laughs) Could I just interrupt you for one sec? Yeah. Hey, could you guys not stop just for another minute? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. Like, I give it a couple more this. pumps, maybe. Listen, this guy Please. helped me kill my dad. He means a lot to me. <laughs> <laughs> you should have seen the mustache he had in high school. Oh my god, the oh and that hair. I know. I oh told my you. god, stop. I literally told you. Put your phone away. We don't need to see that. <laughs> when they interviewed him, like in the present day, about why he kept. Cheryl's secret, a secret. He said, incest, it's like a four-letter word. <laughs> Is it? It's actually a five-letter word. <laughs> it's actually a six-letter word, Kevin Flynn. Fuck, you're right. <laughs> Those guys are so stupid. <laughs> I'm so glad I didn't have to start counting letters. I'm glad you guys took care of that. <laughs> Okay, there there was also a 1989 TV movie called A Deadly Silence. Uh-huh. Can you guess who played Rob? Uh, the husband the, guy? The husband at the time that the The guy with the boyfriend. mustache? Yeah. What when, when year to come out? 1989. I'm going to say Rob Lowe. No. David Schwimmer. <laughs> <laughs> really? Really. This keeps getting better and better. I'm sorry. <laughs> Did he have a little mustache? I don't know. They should have put one on him, though. I feel though. so bad. Like, here we are. Okay. 
We're talking about the real story now. The real story. stuff really happened. Yeah, yeah. It's the funniest part of this whole thing. I feel terrible, but it's <laughs> true. That's the worst thing that happened to him. Oh, dear David God. Schwimmer had Poor to play David him Schwimmer. The Poor David Schwimmer. Well, that's going to do it for us. We want to thank our guest and our good, good, very good best friend, Kimberly. Uh. <laughs> we still don't know her last name. But where can our listeners follow you online? Uh, they can follow me Date Dateline on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Uh, we're on Patreon. We're going to be at CrimeCon in June. And I also have an inappropriate cross-stitch company on Etsy called Stitches Be Crazy. Oh, I'm looking <laughs> it up right now. Crazies with a K. Rebecca Lavoy, how can our listeners follow you online? They can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Reb Lavoy. And you can track me on Twitter at Kevin P. Flynn. You can also tweet to us at Law & Order Pod or follow us on Instagram at These Are Their Stories Podcast. Our newsreader was Cy Freighter. Our theme music was composed and performed by Uncanny Valleys. Line editing by Henry Lavoy. Content assistance from Travis Roy. Lily Flynn handles promotions. To get ad-free episodes of These Are Their Stories a week early, sign up for Stitcher Premium. Get your first month free at stitcherpremium.com slash crime. All clips in this podcast were used in compliance with the U.S. Copyrights Act Fair Use Exemption for Criticism and Commentary. If you want to know what episodes we're talking about in our upcoming shows, go to lawandorderpodcast.com. Sign up for our newsletter for a chance to be our next Law & Order Marathon winner. These Are Their Stories was recorded in the yoga loft above the bodega in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi studio and is a production of Partners in Crime Media. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes.